0: Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast featuring The Michael McCoy Show.
1: Happy holidays, folks. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. You know what time it is. Thank you for tuning in to another airing of The Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Really glad to have you with us today as, uh, man, today's going to kind of suck. And you want to know why? This is the last airing, the final airing of this show in 2020 oh man i'm gonna miss doing this until next year i mean i guess you consider it to be a nice little vacation but i mean it's it's not like if i hate doing this i'm gonna miss this when frank told me the news last week he said hey mike you know your airing on monday is gonna be the last one for the year i almost had a heart attack like oh man that's gonna stink but um ah that that just oh man it's 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 gut-wrenching but You know, get some time off get to enjoy with the fam and you know other things I got a lot of time on my hands now that uh, school is over. I did a thing on the 10th on Thursday I kind of graduated from my dream school so that was pretty cool so you know no more homework I get off work and I don't know what to do with myself have a whole bunch of time on my hands but wow um. So yeah, that's that's kind of bittersweet news, but in any event guys, again, thank you for tuning in today. Got a lot to talk about. College football as always is going to going to lead the uh going to lead the show. NFL and we're going to close out with some NBA news. Kevin Durant played. It's going to be kind of crazy. Uh, I want to talk about some hardwood to close the show. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's get started. And um let's let's do so again talking college football. I'm going to run through some scores in the top 25. Uh, from games on Saturday, and um, here they are, here they are, because, oh man, there was, there was, it was kind of a, a, a whole hum week in college football, if you want to say, there was a lot of games canceled uh, in the top 25, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you which ones they were, I think there were seven games canceled, if I'm not mistaken, I'll tell you right now, I'm running through the the scores, and there were canceled, there were, let's see, there was one, two, three four five five games canceled one game postponed i'm wondering what's going to happen to ole miss and texas a&m that game was postponed but the games that were canceled everybody already knew about michigan at ohio state and gosh thank god that was canceled for michigan and michigan's for michigan's sake uh number eight cincinnati at number 24 tulsa was canceled Number eleven Oklahoma at West Virginia was canceled. Purdue at Indiana, who's ranked twelve, was uh, canceled, and then Texas at uh, at the Jayhawks at Kansas that was canceled as well. So we'll see what happens with that postponed game. But the games that were played, um, no surprise. Number one rolling. I'm sorry, number one Alabama rolling fifty-two to three at Arkansas. No surprise there. LSU goes into the swamp and beats the number six ranked Florida Gators, 37 to 34 in a thriller. And, uh, oh, boy, we'll get into that game in a little bit. It's kind of funny what happens when Kyle Pitts does not play. Hmm. Not saying that that offense is garbage, but, I mean, they're a lot easier to defend because uh, the wide receiver, you you heard what I said, that wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, um, he's a problem. He's a good player. But uh, he was not available. And, you know, Florida loses. Florida loses. Uh, It was just funny how that loss transpired. I'll get into that in a little bit. Number nine, Georgia rolls at Missouri, 49 to 14. There was a scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium that I attended. Uh, The away team wins 62 to 26. We'll talk about that in the next segment uh, with our special guest, Brian Monroe. Really good buddy of mine. Uh, he's been on the show before, and he's going to impart some wisdom as to how he felt about that game. Really ridiculous showing by the Miami Hurricanes going into the game, ranked 10th in the country, hosting the Tar Heels, ranked 17th in the country. And pretty much a bowl berth for the Orange Bowl to stay home and you know host either Texas A&M or uh, Florida Gators. And so that didn't happen. Coastal Carolina, uh, forty-two to thirty-eight at Troy, close game there. Illinois loses at Northwestern, twenty-eight to ten. Lovey Smith gets fired after five seasons. Illinois is now two and five, and uh, USC they win the. I think this game was either on Thursday or Friday night. I can't remember, but they. No, I'm sorry, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. I was watching they came back scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter to win at UCLA 43 to 38. The crosstown rivals there. Wisconsin continues uh their not so good season. They end up two and well, they're at two and three right now. They lose at Iowa 28 to 7. Um, BYU bounces back from the loss at Coastal Carolina 28 to 14, winning at home against San Diego State. Utah 38 to 21, they win at Colorado and Oklahoma State wins at baylor 42 to 3 and um they are ranked 22 in the country let's talk about the rankings uh i know the ones that matter right now are the cfp rankings that are released on tuesdays but uh the ap top 25 is released on sunday so we're going to talk about that no movement in the top five is still um alabama notre dame ohio state clemson and Texas AM and m in that order the change happens from that point on so uh, Cincinnati takes in at six followed by Indiana Iowa State eight Coastal Carolina nine and Georgia moves up two spots they're back in the top 10 Florida drops five spots number 11 Oklahoma USC BYU and Northwestern round out the top 15 the top I'm sorry the rest of the top 20 is as follows North Carolina moves up four spots they're at 16 Louisiana, Iowa moves up one spot. Miami plummets to 19, dropping 10 spots out of the top 10. They're at 19, and Tulsa checks in at number 20. And to round up the top 25, you got Texas at 21. They move up two spots. Liberty is at 9-1. Buffalo, 23. I'm sorry, NC State is at 24, and San Jose State checks in at 25. COVID has so many things messed up this season. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, how many names that I mentioned in that top 25, again, that was the AP poll that's released on Sundays at around one o'clock or so. How many names, I'm sorry, how many programs in that top 25 were like, just like, huh? Like, it sounds like like a basketball poll or something. Cincinnati, Indiana, Iowa State, Coastal Carolina, uh louisiana the raging cajuns tulsa uh liberty buffalo san jose state i mean look props to those schools it's awesome but goodness gracious just just horrible year man guys please do what you can on your end of to, to 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 hold up your end of the bargain so we can just return to normalcy because that top 25 is not normal. And, oh, my goodness, gracious Lord for crying out loud. It's just – I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But in any event, Gus Malzahn got fired. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, man. Gus Malzahn of the Auburn Tigers gets the, uh, the axe. And so we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, you know, not happy with the situation. It's kind of crazy because it kind of reminds me of what's going on at Michigan – Uh, with Jim Harbaugh you got you got schools that have been recruiting well right you know coaches that have been successful in college football and uh, obviously uh, Jim Harbaugh was obviously successful at the next level in the pros did not win a Super Bowl but had some kick-ass teams out in San Francisco you know vicious defenses very innovative well not innovative but uh, creative uh, offenses obviously it was a run base for San Francisco but still you know you saw what happened Colin Kaepernick taking that team to the Super Bowl and losing to the uh, to the Ravens down in New Orleans and so I mean you know he he gets back to college football you're thinking oh boy he's returning uh, Michigan man returning home to play football and you, Am I the only one that thought that you would see some ground and pound and bruising football like we did at Stanford? You know, you find yourself maybe a decent quarterback. I know he had a generational quarterback in Andrew Luck, but still, I mean, maybe that's not maybe, that's definitely what he's missing out of Michigan. He really hasn't had that guy at quarterback. So I get it, but that's crazy how he's been so unsuccessful, especially this season. Um, hasn't beaten Ohio State, been close once or twice but has not beaten them and um you know they didn't play this season but you know i I compare those two situations i'm sorry those two situations because like i said recruiting has been good for both teams um you know they're bringing in talent even this year for auburn they they've been you know good recruiting despite their record And Michigan has been in the top 10 recruiting. Harbaugh's a hell of a recruiter. Defensive guys want to play there. It's just kind of weird. Like, what's the problem? I don't know. I know there's a lot of parody in college football, but still a strange situation. So he gets gets the ax. That's news. Um, Guess who's transferring to FSU? I found this to be very interesting. Uh, Former UCF quarterback McKenzie Milton is taking his talents to Tallahassee. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, everybody knows the situation with with what's going on at FSU. You know, they haven't played in, you know, however many weeks it was canceling games against Clemson, and I think they canceled one against, was it Virginia or Boston College? I can't remember which one it was. But um, that program is dead in the water. Why would you want to go there? Uh, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Listen, uh, hats off to him. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, that offensive line for FSU holds up for him because that offensive line has been non-existent for for a while now. It wasn't just this season. It's been a problem for the past, I don't know, three, four, five seasons. I really don't pay attention to FSU football, and why would I? I mean, they're an afterthought right now, and so, yeah, I I don't know, but I found that to be very interesting. Um, Let's talk about that Gator game because it was funny it was really really funny and the way that you know they lost the game was a thing of beauty if you are a gator hater like myself or uh you know anybody that likes to see the gators lose so they go into the game scoring by quarter is as follows um if my internet decides to cooperate with me here okay so uh, at halftime well scoring I'm sorry let me do the scoring by quarter for LSU they score 7 17 3 and 10 all right they total 34 points for uh Florida they had 17 points at the half 7 10 14 and then three was a scoring by quarter for them so 24 to 17 at the half and um LSU had 54 players going into the game, scholarship players going into the game. They lose five players during the game. Like I said, uh, Kyle Pitts, a very dominating offensive weapon for uh, the Gators, did not play. And so end of the game, the game was, was you know, it, the weather was not, uh, wasn't, wasn't ideal for either school. It was a lot of fog, heavy fog, and it was a night game, so it was tough to see, right? So LSU's kicker, you know, he nails a 57-yard field goal. And um, Florida didn't really have the opportunity to win the game uh, like they should have because LSU gets stopped on, I believe it was a third down, right? Florida's defense comes through. Marco Wilson pulls off the sneak, I was going to say shoe and sneaker at the same time. So I said sneaker if you caught that pulls off the sneaker from the whoever it was on the ground for LSU to celebrate. Yeah. We stopped you on third down. woohoo Let me pull off your sneaker, your, 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 your cleats and throw it 30 yards down the field. Of course that transpires in an unsportsmanlike conduct giving life to the LSU offense. And you know, that's where the field goal comes into play and Florida couldn't, uh, Florida's kicker couldn't uh, convert, you know, with a chance to tie his game. And then you have an upset the quote unquote defending national champions. You know, they're not really defending national champions. I mean, they are in the book, but uh, they're really not. You've seen how many defections they had over the offseason. Guys going into the draft, namely Joe Burrow, their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, leaves to the NFL to join uh, Matt Rule over in Carolina. And so a bunch of guys opting out, so on and so forth, but they managed to pull it off. They're four and five, the Gators are eight and two. And um, boy, what a heartbreaking, what a what a bonehead play. What a bonehead way to lose the game. I mean, I would like to know how that locker room was after the game. I mean, you can you defend that? <laughs> Think about it. I, If if you're a teammate of his and you're asked, hey, what do you think about the play, you know, the Marco Wilson through? How do you defend that? I mean, I I wouldn't, right? Would you? That's just kind of ridiculous. I found that to be beautiful. I was watching the game and nothing, not many things make me feel better after UM lost, especially the way they did. All right. (laughs) On Saturday, it was a game that I attended, by the way. And goodness, again, I'll call it a scrimmage. But when the, when the nose lose, the Gators lose, or maybe even Notre Dame loses, I, my Saturdays are are okay, because especially if it's, you know, one of the schools in a big three, in this case, FSU is an afterthought. So losing, watching the Gators lose and the way that they did was just, was just sweet. And I, uh, that loss that Miami had didn't sting as much as it did because I mean, put it this way, I slept, I slept comfortable. So thank you. Uh, Mr. Wilson for that Um, bonehead play uh, that's a play that will live in infamy for the Gators but got to go ahead and step aside we're going to talk to Brian Monroe and uh, see what he how he feels about that scrimmage that took place on Saturday night at Hard Rock Stadium when UNC just trampled the Miami Hurricanes we're going to do that after this break gonna step aside and pay some bills here so I appreciate you guys Tuning into The Michael McCoy Show, we'll be back on the other side. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. We will be right back.
0: The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.
2: I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo.
3: So that one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like, well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to...
2: Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward.
3: explanation.
2: Yeah, it's hard it to It seems like you have to write... Word. It sounds like it's <laughs> two,
3: 250 words. Explain this sentence. <laughs> that phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs>
0: morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.
3: Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from Nitsa and the Ad Council.
0: now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And we're going to get into a very painful discussion, especially if you're a Miami Hurricanes football fan and had to witness, whether it was in person or uh, on ESPN, you know, on the TV, watching Chris Fowler and the crew call the UNC game. Ended it'll be Miami's season finale, senior night, normally a day reserved for seniors playing their best kind of football or the team, period, because you want to send the seniors off on a high note, right? Except no, that did not happen. Miami gets whacked 62 to 26 uh, at home. It was a very embarrassing game. It hurts me to say it, but to hear help me talk about the game, kind of break it down and see what lies ahead in the future of Miami football is former Hurricane punter athlete don't call him, a partner, call him an athlete Brian Monroe he's been on the show before you know who he is Brian man how you doing
4: man everything's good man how you been oh first Thank of you. all c- congratulations on you know graduating from the U uh, hu- hu- huge honor I remember mine like uh, it was yesterday and it definitely wasn't but uh <laughs> you know definitely congratulations on that that's a definitely a big
1: step in life I appreciate it, man. Definitely something I needed to go back and finish, and I am proud of the accomplishment. I, I really appreciate you. Shout me out for that, man. Thank you. No problem, man. So let's get to pressing. Um, you were at the game. I was at the game, and so I unfortunately left. I wasn't driving. If not, I probably would have. I, I definitely would have stayed. But we left somewhere around the third quarter, and then when I turn on the the, the news to get you know at the house, I see they scored sixty two points. Bro, I wanted to ask you, man. Just give me some raw reaction. What the hell is going on through your head as you're watching this unfold and even after the game?
4: Uh, I think the most disappointing thing was is that, you know, when you see a game like that as a former player at the game with other former players, the, the one thing that you want to see from the kids is that do they have the fight?
1: Exactly.
4: Can they show you that they care mm-hmm. to be on the field right now? Yeah, you, you know, you're getting your asses whooped right now, but do you still got that fight in you? And you know what? From the, the beginning of the game, it looked flat. Yeah. It just They just didn't look like they were uh, excited to be there. Mm-hmm. They didn't look like they wanted to play that day. UNC came in all hyped up. Oh, hell whether, whether that's they looked at the film and goes, they're drooling, knowing that they're going to have one-on-one matchups with a very thin uh, secondary already. Right. And then they also look at our run defense and say, well, these linebackers don't know how to fill a gap, so we're going to have a field day on them. They were excited to play. It looked like seven on seven for them. Mm -hmm. And then our guys are just going through the motions, like, eh, okay, we're here. And I think that's your first reaction as a player, is like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? Like, this is the last game of the season. You have the ability to play and stay home, play in the Orange Bowl, you know, do something with your season, or you could get your ass whooped and go play in Orlando or Jacksonville, not want to be there. Yeah. And then you're, you're you know, you're pissed off too, because it just, it hurts. It hurts that you've been through that you've seen tons of guys go through those locker rooms that care so much. And you know, people that want to be on on the field and be in their shoes and they just don't show any type of energy, any type of life. There's no scrap in them. Mm -hmm. And I think
1: that's what, you know, pisses us off the most. Well, let me tell you something, man. Um, I guess in my former life I was a University of Miami football player because exactly <laughs> what you said as a former player is exactly how I feel as an alum now, a, a lifelong fan. And so it it you know what I did read? I saw a tweet yesterday that said the, the worst thing about it is is that it doesn't even hurt like it used to, because I hate to say that I've gotten accustomed to this bull crap. I want to say another word, but it's disgusting, man, because. Like you said, where's the fight? It was evident from jump. Okay. Where's the 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 punch back, punch you back in the mouth? And this is the part that pisses me off the most. You get on IG or Twitter and you post highlights after the game. For yep. what? Mm-hmm. Listen, man, that I'm sorry, but I don't care who look, I still don't know who did it. All I know is I saw it on the TL on Twitter. So I don't know who posted videos. I don't, so if this person, if this player is one of my favorite players, go to hell, man. Like that's not cool that's not cool. what what are you what is there to brag about what is there to brag I mean, about that I seen me, a, i've I'm seen
4: i've seen a couple dudes do it but you know i've i've learned okay uh-huh. and this is and it's it's kind of like you sound like the get off my porch old man type of guy right <laughs> i've learned that you know this generation is just different you know yeah, like bro, bro. they jump to the social media for everything as far as instant gratification from being a recruit to, oh I'm five stars I'm four stars every single fan base is loving you up right then after games before games putting up this and putting up that that's like kind of the, one of those things where I just can't even say anything anymore because I've already been pissed off about it okay. and you just have to shake your head okay. I think the most disappointing thing post game for me were the comments
1: oh god I didn't even listen to the pro game. tell me go ahead
4: so We know that we just got our butts handed to us up and down this field. Something that's never happened in University of Miami history with 778 yards. Something that's never happened in, you know, NCAA history with the running backs combined running for, I don't know, 500 and something yards, Mm -hmm. something ridiculous. Then you have the audacity, the audacity to come out. And I forgot exactly which players were. it was. I think Mike Carley was one of them that said in the lines of we weren't we weren't all in it not all our teammates were in it uh-huh. what the hell you mean you weren't all in it yeah. Yeah. what what you you got 10 games this season what are you going to be all in at? game 11 or got canceled <laughs> the bowl game like what you mean you're not all in it and then was it many it was many ds that said this loss
1: was worth the lessons learned Oh, no, Manny. That, that's a politician talk, man. You know that. You know. What? Listen, I get it. WT I don't. I don't. No, no meaning I don't mean I get your frustration. I get your frustration, not what Oh, you. I was about to say. No, me. no, no. But what I will say is this. He's always saying the right things and trying not to throw his players under the bus, which I'm cool with, not publicly. I pray that that conversation is different behind closed doors, okay? Number one. And number two, um, I still have faith in the man because... He's done every right move in the offseason since being here, okay? So, we'll see what happens next. I got two questions for you.
4: But before we ask the question, look. Go ahead, go. W- what you just said about you don't mind, you know, coaches not throwing their, their players under the bus. Publicly. Let me tell you something. One of the best coaches ever to come to the University of Miami, Don, Shull- Don, Don Sollinger, my coach, one of the best running backs coach, one of the best special teams coach. Now, he didn't know how to coach up a kicker or a punter to save his life, but – when you talk about returns and making like setting up blocks, the dude was a genius. And we always we already know what he had in his running back stable. We, right, right. we already know that. Right. But when I tell you, he would cuss you out and then throw you under the bus in the newspaper because that's what we had back in the day. We had the newspaper right. on online and stuff like that. I mean, shoot, he would tell you I could d- have a cone do what my player did in the game. <laughs> and you know what? You need that sometimes. You need to that. you need to read that and say, damn, my coach really thinks of me like that. Let okay. me prove him wrong. And the one thing he always tells you, once I stop yelling at you, you know you got a bad. Yeah. You know you messed up because then I don't care no more. You're gonna be just right over there. I'm I'm gonna love you up. I'm gonna yell at you to show you that I care. Mm-hmm. But once it doesn't go through your head time and time and time again, what you want me to do with you? Yeah. You're gonna be there in practice, you're gonna have your scholarship, but you ain't getting no burn. Yeah. You to get no burn. You know, so I think sometimes these coaches do need to get in these kids' butts sometimes because they need that fire lit underneath them. And like, you know, listen, right or wrong, you could talk about, you know, Dabble Sweeney and Nick Saban and, and, and hating them for XYZ. And you know, I dislikes Dabble for a lot of things. But when you see that passion from Saban getting in, you know, his yeah. his his coaches' faces, yeah. yeah, his players' butts and stuff in practice and stuff you know they respect the man, first of all, and say, man, I can't mess up because yep. this dude's about to rip me in front of everybody. Yep. And there's a reason why he's successful.
1: Yep. You know, and I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
4: I know everyone's got different coaching styles and the way they handle kids. And, you know, you can't do certain things nowadays and society this and society that. Uh-huh. There's a reason why he's one of the most successful coaches. There's a reason why Dabo Sweeney is in the college football playoff time and time again. There's a reason why, uh, you know, Urban Meyer at the time was doing it Ryan Day, Ohio State's got them right. successful. Right. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's coach slipping my mind right now, but he gets in them as well. Like sometimes you got to chew them out. You
1: got to listen. You're preaching to the choir, man. You sound like my Twitter timeline at, at certain points because I, I'm not this, uh, you know, this Sunday morning pet your freaking dog on the, you know, whatever, take him out for a Sunday morning walk, uh, you know, go to church type of person like that. No, but. Yes, I, I, I totally hear that you have to – there's a time and place for everything, and sometimes you got to do that to get your players' attention. Rhett Lashley seems like the most fiery guy, you know, that we have. He does. I, I, I wouldn't get to see him from where I was sitting yesterday, but, you know, watching it in the games, he's the one that has a scowl on his face and everything like that. Yes, I would like to see it more from all or other position coaches, but um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, man. I, I just – check me out here. I wanted to ask you this since we're on the subject and by the way you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on oh, Sirius XM channel 145 Slime Radio joined by a good friend of mine uh Ron Monroe and he's just we ladies and gentlemen Canes fans about that embarrassment that happened on Saturday and so getting hyped for a game take me back to this mentality and how how, how you felt and how it was for your teams all right Big game coming. And it doesn't even have to be a big game because it shouldn't take a big game. Some games are harder to get up for others. I get it. However, you got a pretty significant game coming up. I don't know, a game that you're probably going to determine if you're playing the Orange Bowl or not, okay? And so is it a coach's job to get the team hyped up? Because I am a believer that that is not a coach's job to get your players ready. In terms of emotion, X's and O's, yeah, sure, I get it. But for you to get your player's mindset, listen, you shouldn't be a D1 player if you have to have a coach get you in that mindset. Tell me how
4: you feel about that question. Yeah, you facts right there because, you know, when it comes down to the coach's jobs, to get you prepared for X's and O's to play this game. Put me in the right situations when the game's happening. So when I see something, I understand it, I can diagnose it, and I can react. Right. It is my job as a man, Thank you. as a football player at one of the best and most prestigious universities in the country to go out there, like my hair is on fire and run around and hit somebody. You You know, everybody's different obviously, right? Every locker room's different. I can't speak for this locker room in here. I can only speak for the locker rooms I've been in and the leaders I've had and everybody's different, right? Some guys are quiet, Mm -hmm. listen to my music. Let me get in my zone. But even that guy, when he gets on the field, is a different animal. Exactly. Like, I, you know, I, I can speak to, let's say, some of my teammates that were more quiet, I guess, before Rocky McIntosh. I don't know if you remember the linebacker Rocky.
1: Yeah,
4: Rocky's like, you know, chill dude and stuff like that. But when he gets on the field, he's nuts. John Beeson, he's a chill dude as well. You know, reading his playbook, listen to his music the whole nine yards. But when he steps on the field, yeah, He's yeah. nuts. Okay. Now we have, we got vocal leaders. You know, we have dudes that are, you know, getting everybody hype, rah, rah type dudes. And they get other dudes and other dudes feed off of yeah. their energy. Right. But it's always on you. Thank you. To get yourself hype because we're not kids anymore. Thank you. We are playing division one football. And I don't care if you're going out there playing against Wagner, who was probably a bad team. We're not playing them this year, but I know they were on our schedule. Right you need to be able to at least have some swag that says all right cool the backups are going to be in at halftime Thank so you. let's go ahead and do our job get the backups in let's chill let's gonna be a seven on seven and be good and then when you're actually not playing well i need to see some passion on the sideline like if you watch the sideline because i sit i sat behind the bench ain't nobody yelling ain't nobody huddling up no dudes ain't nobody getting guys ready like you're down. What were we? 14 to three, and then we get stopped on fourth and one. Yeah. And it's nothing. There's nothing on the sideline. Unbelievable, man. And you know, I, I'm a big component on players. I've always been like that because, like my coach Don S- uh, Salinger told me, you got to look the man in the mirror. If You can't look the man in the mirror. You can't. You can't play in this game. But you know, you need the leaders on this team to. I don't need them needing to yell at dudes and like you know, putting them down. Exactly. But get them up keep them going. Like, Hey, okay, cool. We got fourth to one stop. Don't worry about it. Listen, that's on us. We didn't have this one assignment. We're going to take it to heart next drive. We're going to go down there and score a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Hey defense. Listen, we know what they're doing. We seen it in practice. We're just overrunning. We're not getting off our blocks. We got this. They're not doing anything we haven't seen. Mm -hmm. I need some dudes like that, but I, you know what? I ain't see it.
1: You ain't the only one, man. I, I'm You and I both, it's just, it's frustrating because if we can see it, if we can feel it, you're on the field. You got more to lose than we do. Like you are in the uniform. You are in the game. We are here to see you. Eight win season. You can get nine. Hell, potential 10 if you win in a bowl game. And now the best Miami can hope for is a nine win season. Now, look, I get it. At the beginning of the year, everybody was saying, you know, eight, maybe nine, eight, Anywhere between eight and 10 wins is, you know, the floor or whatever. So look, eight and two is still a good season. It's just that that loss felt like three, okay? And you had so much to play for. It just seems like lately, uh, anytime Miami has anything to play for, it just craps the bed. And it's really, really frustrating. I wanted to ask you something else, man, and um, answer it however you may. Is something that we saw yesterday a fireball offense for anybody on the staff? Well, like you
4: just said, you know, it seems like all the big games or games that mean something for Miami, they don't come to play or they're not up for. It. Mm-hmm. You know, that starts with the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You're not prepared. Mm-hmm. After bye weeks, we're god awful. Mm-hmm. That only means one thing mm-hmm. you are not preparing this team correctly. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it time and time again. And, you know, for me, like I said earlier, I'm a big component on players holding players accountable. Thank you. And I was like that at the beginning of the season, you know, Hey, they're doing, you know, the simplest stuff. We can't, you know, fit the run on defense. We're not getting over our blocks. You know, people are using excuses. Oh, the D lineman ain't blocking this. No, as a linebacker, you're able to flow and you have to correct yourself. How do I know this? Cause my best friend was an all pro linebacker right. from university of Miami. So I watched a lot of film with him and understand the position and the defense because of that. Okay. And it's small stuff that they're not doing. It's like pop Warner stuff. They're not doing. And you know what? I'm going to pivot. From what I used to say at the beginning of the season, when the first four, couple games, mm-hmm. when our linebackers weren't able to run fit or safeties weren't coming up, and I was blaming more players and not executing the uh, game plan. Okay. Now I'm putting more in the coaching staff okay. because it's week in and week out. Whenever we play a team with a good coaching staff, we get out coached. That's just hands down. We get out coached. And last night, you saw it, and Manny Diaz said it after the game. They didn't run anything. We didn't prepare for in practice. Oh, man. What, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? So if you know what's coming, what is it? Is the technique you're teaching these kids are not being able to do is the technique you're teaching not working. Like if you've been doing the same technique the whole year and still yeah. your linebackers aren't understanding it, are you not putting in the right guys? Yeah. Are you not coaching yeah. the right stuff at all? So, I have pivoted because there's been a lot of people come at me on Twitter and say, is it still the players? Is it still this? Mm-hmm. Listen, it's still, you still got to put a lot of accountability on players as well, because you're the guys on the field who have to execute. But right now I'm putting a lot on, on some of the coaches and was this a fireball game? 110%. You, you have to look at it as a fireball game. If you give up the most yards in school history, if you give up 500 plus yards to two running backs, which is the most by any other tandem in history in any college football, And you want to take the next step as a program. You did a good job, Manny. And that's what I give him props for when everyone was yelling at him. You went from six and seven with a god-awful offense. You fired everybody. You brought in a new offensive system, which we needed to to catch up to the 21st century in college football. (laughs) He did an amazing job with that bringing in Lashley. You got Derek King. Great. We finally have a quarterback that can execute an offense like that and bring us up 21st century. And the offense looked good this year. Perfect. Now, look at your defense. People can tell me, oh, we we'll are ranked this or rank that. Cool. What happened when we played a ranked team this year? Yeah, yeah. We lost, except for Louisville, and we found out they're not the team that we, they were when they were ranked. Right, right. Clemson, UNC. What do those two teams have in common? They got great coaching staffs. Yep. They do. They're very, very prepared. They're very well-versed. And, you know, they execute to a high level. And I was watching the Florida – LSU game yesterday mm-hmm. shout out LSU you know what I'm saying appreciate that you made, you made, you made, you made, my, you made my night a little bit better <laughs> but I'm watching my boy Beason, and you know LSU right now is probably the most depleted team coming back from a championship whether it's COVID whether it's people going right. to NFL whether it's opt-out whether it's transfers I think they had 54 players
1: and yesterday. they lost five during the game
4: okay so they lost five so they were down to damn near 40 some players scholarship wise they lost all their um all, all the receivers throughout the year with the opt-out Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, then their, their number one tight end coming. He opts out. You got a true freshman playing defense. Who knows the guys on defense? But there was a couple plays that tells you that they're prepared. And it was simple. And it's so stupid I'm gonna say this because it sounds like it'd be so common. Mm-hmm. Their linebackers, they're running a bracket scheme with a bunch formation and it was two receivers bunched. They came off and it was so simple. You could see both linebackers look at each other and go, me, 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 you, 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 and point. And they handed off the bracket, perfect. We could not do that. We can't do that. And you saw it earlier when we had, you know, uh, what game was it, Louisville with crossing routes and stuff like that. You don't know how to hand off. Preparation is key. Now, I don't know who you're gonna fire. You know, I don't know if he is going right. to fire somebody, but we saw he, he did it before. I just want if you are going to fire somebody, you're going to bring in some defensive staffs. I want you to bring in a teacher. I want you someone that able to teach these guys and so they can understand it, because if you just play sound football like a Virginia Virginia plays oh, very sound football. Yeah. They're not the most talented team no, at but all. they are a hell of a coach team. They're a hell of a coach team, and that's why they give people fits. Yes. North Carolina, right, last year when they took Clemson to the last play of the game, right. they weren't the most talented team there. They had a rookie quarterback and everything, mm-hmm. but they're prepared and they're well coached. We can get talent. We have one of the most right. talented backyards ever when it comes to players. Right. I need somebody – that can come in here and prepare these guys. So when they get on the field, they just understand the clicks and you see them and they're like, boom, pass that off. Boom. You got him. I got him. We're good. If we have that, you know, we're talking about you're going to challenge Clemson this year, right? Only because you look at the the Clemson game at the beginning and it's mistakes that we made that really put us down 14, nothing in the hole. So you get someone that can prepare coach adjustments and have these young men understand mm-hmm. their defense because they don't understand the defense right now. Like, And if they do understand, they're not executing it because you do the simplest stuff where you're just scratching a head like, you do know if your defender gets knocked towards you, you just flow around him and fill the other gap. That's the reason why their holes were so open last night.
1: They didn't flow and do the most basic thing going into the next gap. And that stuff is instinctive. That stuff that I'm thinking that, that should be... That, that's stuff that can't be taught. I'm sorry yes we're talking about great coaches and stuff but there's just some things that cannot be taught and you know it's instinctive so you don't have those instincts and listen man, I've always been of the of the uh, school of thought that I'm sorry players play coaches coach and yeah but I'm not, I'm not blind either I'm not stupid yes I have always more so giving blame to the players, but I've always given blame to coaches. It just hasn't been as much as it is now. I've never been 100% on one side of the fence. I'm, I'm not stupid, but I, I gotta, I gotta give it to you, man. I mean, now it's a little bit more glaring as to, okay, guys, are you playing the right guys? Are you teaching the right things? And I get it. But to your point about who you bring in, yes, I absolutely want to see a teacher at whatever point in the staff needs changes. But, um, which I don't think Manny needs to be fired, by the way. But uh I think what you're describing is a guy with experience and not a young guy that can recruit. Is that kind of where you're leading? Or, or is that kind of how you're thinking? Because there's been some names thrown out there on Twitterverse, you know, Charles Robinson, whatever, blah, 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 Miami guy. He's a younger guy. He's been a defensive coordinator in the SEC. He's been on the must champ. But do you want a, a seasoned guy that was probably better teaching or a young guy that? can relate. Well, it's my D coordinator. I want a seasoned dude.
4: I, 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 you can, you can get recruiters as your position coaches, right. You can, they, they can, you got recruiting coordinators. You got position coaches. I need a seasoned dude. That's seen a lot of football and also can teach his coaches and get after his coaches. Okay. So those coaches can take that information, mm-hmm. go to their meeting rooms and say, boom, this is our game plan. When you see X, Y, and Z, this is what we have to do. Right. When they shift the most basic thing, when they shift we have to shift. shift like literally you watch us the whole year and you'll see okay z motion boom z receiver goes across the formation and we don't even move we don't move that's not football you know the reason they do that they see if you're a man or in zone that's the exactly. most basic thing in the world mm-hmm. and we just sit there and go uh <laughs> Where do you go like with? come on man i'm not even asking anything complex i'm just asking for something basic no. but if you're asking me for a dc I want some dude with fire. Right. And I want some dude that's seen a lot of ball. You know, you look at Lashley, yeah, he's he's younger, but he's been under, you know, the guy from Auburn for a long time. He's been an OC at multiple places. He's done it at a high, he's yeah, he's done it at a high level with SMU, with not a lot of great talent, with a good quarterback that can sling the ball all around the field. So he's he boom, he can do that. Get me a guy like Lashley like that. Or hey, Manny, if you need to put your hands on the defense a little bit more.
1: Hey, listen, do it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand Wait. you could be a CEO of, of things, but sometimes we saw last year, Virginia Tech came down here, embarrassed us. He had his hands throughout the week on the defense for the game leading up to Virginia. And it was like night and day.
4: Because, yeah. Was- I mean, listen, I don't mind him being the CEO because some of the best head coaches do that. Right. They delegate that's, you know, some of the best coaches in history have the best coaching trees, right. but you have to hit a home run with it. It seems like with Lashley, you've done a good job with that. The offense has drastically changed from last year. We'll see if Jared King comes back next year and see if we can get the, this um this offense in the second year to see how much more they can grow. Yeah. Um, But you need to find a guy like that on defense, where if you are going to be the CEO and just making sure everything runs right, he has to be able to say corners, coach, do this linebackers coach. We need this defensive right. line coach. We need this. And this is how our machine's going to run.
1: Exactly.
4: Now I'll, I'll wait and see if what happens with you know Blake Baker and everybody else on this staff. But as far as the, re- the recruiting aspect of it, man, if you win, they gonna come. Thank their you. kids are gonna they're gonna come to your school. If yeah. you listen to most of these kids when they talk, you know, I've been fortunate to see some of them on their vids and stuff when we've been out in Miami. Right. And you 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 know, you talk to some of these big time defensive recruits in Miami. And I see a lot of people getting on Coach Mike Rumpf because he's had a couple of his ex-guys leave. And I go, can you blame them? You know, you, you you hear the first thing they say is, you know, I want to win championships, I want to compete for championships, and I want to go to the league. I bet you can go to Miami, you can go to the league. Right. We still put in dudes in the league all day long. Yeah. But when's the last time we competed for a championship? Right. These kids are pups. You know, they were they were pups. <laughs> They've not known University of Miami to be in championships. You know what they know? Alabamas, Ohio State's, Clemson. So when you see a guy go to Alabama like Patrick Sertan's son did, how can you blame him? He's saying, I'm going to go to Nick Saban, who's produced a lot of DBs at my position at a high level, and I'm going to compete for the final four year in and year out. It looks like he's going to be a first round this year. Yeah, yeah, I cannot be mad at a kid like that. If you want a kid like that, Miami fans, start winning at a consistent clip. If you start winning 10 games, nine games, you're not just, hey, we're competing for the Coastal. No, you're in there with Clemson. Every year beating Clemson, competing with Clemson. Then you can start seeing these kids go, well, I don't need to leave because I got Miami right here. We're going to be in the final four and then I'm going to go to the league. Simple as that. You you know, recruiters. Yeah. Okay, cool. You get, there's some dudes out there, coach field, love him to death. I think Um, he's an awesome recruiter, but when it comes down to it, the best recruitment
1: is winning. Plain and simple. You win. They'll come. And that ladies and gentlemen, you cannot fault Michael Rumpf on. So, um, Take that for what it's worth, but uh, yesterday's game, man, 62 to 26. Scoring by quarter for UNC: 21, 13, 7, and 21. From Miami, scoring by quarter: 3, 7, 8, and 8. How throws for 223 yards. Javante Williams ran for 236 on 23 mm. carries. Michael Carter mm. ran for 308 yards on 24 carries. They averaged over 10 yards a pop, both of them. Both of them had longs of 65, and both of them scored at least two touchdowns. I'm mm. not, I, I don't even want to look at the rest of the box score. Like I said, I hadn't until today, until right now on this show. And if you guys want to get my reaction, it, 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 it won't even be on another segment. This is disgusting Miami football. If it hasn't had a wake up call, this is exactly what it is. And I've been defending the staff all year long. I I still defend Mark Richt, okay? I'm sorry, but uh, the guy did way more good than bad. And Facts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not talking about an IPF or leaving money on the table when they were saying, okay, you got to go. No, it went way beyond that. But at this point, I feel that, uh, and I've defended Blake too. I've defended Blake because I believe in Manny. And with Manny, I feel that I'm good with whatever he wants. He's proven to make changes when they're needed. Well, they're needed now. And I don't think there's any, uh, like I said, it's a straw that broke the camel's back, man. So, Ro, dude, I appreciate that, man. This is going to go good for, for two segments. We got two segments worth of, 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 of ranting in, man. You good? My bad, man. You know, I, I, t-
4: I talk a lot of trash sometimes, oh. you know. Sometimes you got to get the frustration out, but also be level-headed and an objective. And one thing I always tell Kane's fans is I'm, I'm not going to be a homer. I'm going to tell you how I see it. I'm going to tell you how people around me see it that play the game at a high level right. um, that, I, that I learn from every day when it comes to football and trying to better myself. But you can't sugarcoat things, man. You know, no, no. You know when, when, when you go to the U and you talk to former players and you talk to dudes that, that played the game, they're never going to sugarcoat it to you. They're never going to look at you and be like, oh, my God. Yeah, this guy's going to be a first round pick. By the way, there's a lot of dudes that lost a lot of money last night because NFL teams are going to turn on the film and say, OK, they're down. Let me see how this dude reacts when we gonna be down. And what what did any of those dudes do last last night that everyone keeps going in my in my Twitter saying that? No, no, he's this and he's that. No, he's not. They're not. They're not there yet. You know, they gotten their names out there. They're on some awards and stuff like that. Did that get to the head? Who knows? You're a semifinalist. Come back. You know, evolve your game. Step it up because talking to scouts that I know in the league and front office dudes, they're not as high as everybody thinks. Oof. our fan bases are on certain players maybe one
1: maybe two mm-hmm. but the rest
4: there are a couple uh couple rounds below that you think they are let's just put it that way
1: right now all right, all right. well we'll see that's another thing that Kings fans are gonna have to keep their eye on and you know the players themselves let's see what they do in terms of if they're eligible to leave if they want to leave uh that's gonna be a story and we'll see how many guys decide not to play in this bowl game that's another thing that you know uh it's, it's gonna be a story man but row. Uh, no apologies, please. I, I love hearing how you think and how you feel and what you know. I, it's always appreciated on the show, man. But listen, uh, stay safe, okay? Appreciate happy that. Holidays. And um, we'll catch up again, man. I, I really appreciate your time. I really, really do.
4: Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me on. Stay safe out there. You know, happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, you know, congratulations on graduating again and uh, be safe out there.
1: All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, keep it right here. We'll be right back after paying some bills. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM Channel 145, Slam Radio.
0: The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had
1: a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk.
3: This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You oh. and I. Oh, you, have to, you forgot that. Just the two of us. Oh, the two of us. We're building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go.
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Series 6M, 145, Slam Radio. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
3: Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. (laughs) Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off at school? Bye, son. (laughs) So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: All right, and we're back. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're still listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. (sighs) Ah. First of all, Brian, thanks a lot, man, uh, for coming on the show. Brian's one of those guys that, um, you know, I could reach out to him. uh, And, you know, it's no hesitation on his part uh, when he... Let me start over. Okay, thank you very much, everyone, for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You have been listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio Thank you, Ro, for your contributions on that last segment. There, uh, man. I mean, what can I say? Uh, just, 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 just embarrassing, you know, for uh, fans of the Miami Hurricanes football program. And I, I just want to go back to one of the things that Ro said, and um, it's just something that I can't get used to. And you know, you heard him refer me refer to me as that old man, you know, on the lawn, get off my lawn, you know, whatever. Uh, I When we were talking about how guys just run to social media and, you know, post things after losses, I'm sorry. I don't give a damn if that's the new age. And no, I'm not taking anything out on your role. I'm taking it out on the new age because you lost, okay? A loss in 2020 is the same in 1990, all right? You lost. You got your asses kicked. You got embarrassed at home on senior, senior day, senior night, whatever the hell you want to call it. All right. H- how? Please, somebody that knows that's smarter than me, explain to me how you feel good enough. I don't care if you threw if you scored all 26 points in the game, okay? How can you run to Instagram and or Twitter? Again, I don't even know which players did it but it doesn't matter. Okay. How it, it just shows how selfish you are and how, how, how immature really you are and how much you just don't care about a loss, uh, an ass kicking of that magnitude on national TV at home, when you had everything to play for, all right. Uh, uh, to host a new Year's six ball game in your own backyard. You know how much of a big deal that is I'm sorry. I will never be okay with that. I don't care what 2020 says. It's all right. That is a bunch of baloney. And anybody listening to this, if you agree with it, then you're you're you need you just need to get checked out, okay? Because that's just just oh god. I, there's a lot of things wrong with that. And if you support that douchebaggery, then I don't know what the hell to tell you. That's that. Let's talk about NFL football, shall we? All right. So, um, a lot of good games this weekend. I want to talk about a few of them because, and actually, first of all, uh, tonight, there's more NFL football. You got the Ravens Browns on Monday night football that kicks off at eight o'clock. So watch that. Um, I know I will be. And so, uh, let's talk about Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Wow. Pittsburgh falls to 11 and two. Okay. Buffalo ups their record to 10 and three after, um, after a, a, a crazy game, 15 to 26, they beat the Steelers at home. And uh, it was nasty weather to start the game. It kind of subsided, you know, throughout the course of the game. But it was snowy. It was wet. It was it was cold. Uh, typical Buffalo Bills home game, right? So Josh Allen, how about him, man? And remember the narrative that, uh, you know, that was on him as he was drafted. They were talking about, well, you know, Guy has the talent to be an NFL quarterback, but they were questioning his accuracy, you know, the level of competition that he played against. And he's making a hell of a leap, you know, from uh last season to this season. Did not have a bad year last year, you know, had some uh playoff experience going down to Houston. I believe they're winning the game at halftime, and then Houston just turns it around and they end up putting it off Deshaun Watson. And his uh his uh performance there. I was watching that game, I remember it was a pretty good game. But Josh Allen uh, yesterday, tale of two halves for that guy. So check this out. 34% completion percentage in the first half, but ends up completing 73% in the second. Sounds like adjustments to me. Um, had 76 passing yards in the first half in comp- uh, compared to 162 in the second half, more adjustments. No touchdowns and an interception thrown in the first half, but he did throw two touchdowns and zero interceptions in the second. How about that? I mean, bravo. You see something, you fix it. And I mean, look look at that. Adjustments. What a thought, right? Um, And again, his quarterback coach is Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey, I mean, that guy needs to get looked at for something else at some point. I mean, it's going to happen if he wants it to, right? I mean, why not? Uh, if you guys are not aware, he was the quarterback's coach for Cam Newton during his MVP season down in Carolina, uh, whatever year that was. And now look what he's doing. Uh, what he's helping Josh Allen do up in Buffalo. I mean, you know, two successful seasons for these quarterbacks that I just mentioned, Cam Newton under Dorsey, uh, Josh Allen under Dorsey. Obviously, he's the common denominator. So we'll see, uh, you know, where the future for Kenny uh, leads him because he's proving that he can coach guys up, you know, cerebral guy. Everybody knows his 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 what he did at Miami. Won 38 games in a row. You know, I mean, that's just that doesn't happen. So, um, that's crazy. I mean, it's good to see Josh Allen do that. One of the MVP leaders, uh, in the league. So, um, the thing about the bills, you remember, you know, the biggest question mark for them coming into the year was if their offense can take that next step because their defense, uh, they led the way for, for the bills last season, they were third in the NFL with 298 yards allowed per game. The crazy thing is the crazy thing is, is that their defense has slipped plenty this year. Yeah, I get it. They're 10 and three, but um, they're allowing 363 yards per game this time around. And that's just, you know, a polar opposite compared to last year when they were, third in terms of yards allowed per game with 298 so that's that i want to talk about the saints game and not so much the game in totality uh they travel uh to philly and lose to the now four eight and one eagles the saints fall to 10 and three they lose that game 21 to 24 at philly but guess who made his first career start jalen hurts that's right because carson wentz was benched in favor of him Doug Peterson with a bold move to start the rookie who was drafted in the second round. I was one of those guys that said, what they're drafting a quarterback. Listen, I guess they knew what they were doing all along. I guess they knew what they were doing all along because you know, Wentz was benched last week in favor of Hertz in the third quarter and uh, Hertz turns around and gets his first career win on his first career start. And let me tell you, man, I couldn't be happier for him. Um, You know, I believe, in him since his days at Alabama, the class that he showed after being benched for Tuatonga Vailoa was just it was awesome to see, man. Anybody would have transferred that very next season, but he didn't. If you remember his career at Alabama, went a little bit. If you don't remember, I'm sorry, his uh career at Alabama it went a little bit like this freshman season leads only all he does is lead the team to the national championship game, they end up losing that game, okay. Uh, to uh Deshaun Watson's Clemson team on the last drive of the game. That was a great game played in Tampa. Uh, but you know, the final drive that the offense had for Bama, Jalen Hurts looked like a seasoned veteran. He looked like a like a fourth-year senior, led them down the field, scores the uh the go-ahead, not the go-ahead touchdown, but scores a touchdown to put them ahead, not for good. Um uh I think I believe he ran that one in that last touchdown, but he looked like, you know. The man. And obviously, we all know how that game finished. Deshaun Watson, you know, closes it out. But um, so that was year one. That was for his freshman season. Season number two, they also made it to the championship game. They are getting handled pretty much in the first half by Georgia. Okay. And then Nick Saban with a gutsy, gutsy call, calls for the freshman to Tonga Vailoa to start the second half and they never looked back, you know, Jalen lost his starting spot. And of course there's, you know, you wonder what's going to happen with his career at Alabama. Well, he ended up staying for his junior season, his final one at Bama, I believe the man uh, graduated in three years because after that he has uh, a masterful season after transferring to the Oklahoma Sooners. There was some, you know, talks that maybe he follows Dan Enos to Miami because Dan Enos got hired away from Alabama to Miami. The talk was, was Jalen going to You know, follow him. Thank God he didn't because he definitely wouldn't gotten would not have gotten drafted in the second round by the Eagles. But uh, let me just remind you of his numbers. uh, In Alabama, so year one, like I talked about, uh, 15 games through for 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions, 2,780 yards, completed 62.8 percent of his of his passes. Let's just go ahead and call it 63 percent. Uh, the year that he got benched for Tua, played in 14 games. I mean, he he started pretty much, you know, every game. But he got benched in the national championship game in the second half. So, anyway, in any event, 17 touchdowns, one interception, okay? And then he, uh, in a backup role in 2018 at Alabama, uh, throws eight touchdowns, two interceptions, Uh, obviously significantly less playing time still played in 13 games, but only threw 70 passes. And then at Oklahoma, you know, everybody knows what he did in 14 games. There throws for almost 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions, you know, looked like a Heisman trophy winner, definitely a Heisman candidate uh, early on in the season. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 slam radio. How can you not be a fan of the young man? I mean, the guy's a winner. He knows how to win. Patience, cerebral quarterback. I love the fact that he said that, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play quarterback. Forget switching me to a different position. You know, I'm a quarterback, and I'm glad he stuck to his guns. Uh, he is a quarterback, and um, he's only going to get better, man. You know, I, I'm rooting for him, and I'm glad to see him find success at the next level because uh, it's, a, it's a great story. All right? It's a great story. Moving on to uh, the quarterback that we were talking about that took his place in Alabama, Tua tonga and the Miami Dolphins, hosted the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. Miami does go down 27 to 33. They came back, you know, made it a nice little six-point loss. They were down big at at, uh, at one point in the game. But KC wins 33 to 27. They're now 12 and one. Miami falls to eight and five. How about Brian Flores, man? That guy uh, making his best bid for Coach of the Year honors, Okay. Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions for only the second time in his career, Uh, but he did throw 300, uh, I'm sorry, did throw for 315 passing yards for the 16 I'm sorry for the sixth straight game that's tied for the longest streak in league history. How about these dolphins though, man? I think they're going to be a problem next year. If they put some weapons around Tua Um, their defense is playing, you know, solid football. Okay. And I think they're only going to get better because that's 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 a Brian Flores team. You know, they're going to be uh, tough on the the defensive side. But uh, what sticks out to me about the Dolphins the most is the togetherness of the team. We all saw how things got chippy last week when they hosted the Bengals. Brian Flores, you know, goes out there and I'm sorry, but guys want to play for it for a coach like that. okay? and, you know. Other guys around the league see that Uh, we'll see what the Dolphins do in free agency. But um, I think they're, I think they're going to be a problem next year. like I said, they just need to add some pieces around to offensively, maybe shore up that offensive line a little bit more. uh, Some more receiving threats. Gesicki is a problem. I think he is going to be Tua's favorite target. Everybody knows that the best, uh, a quarterback's best friend is a, is a tight end, especially if it's a young quarterback like Tua and Gesicki is proving to be uh, a reliable option for, for Tonga Bailoa and that offense. But, um, Really quick about KC, let me tell you something. I, I still think they'll lose in the playoffs to a team with an above average defense and a, a a decent offense. I think Pitt can be that team to get it done against KC. I really do. Maybe Buffalo, but uh Buffalo's defense is, is like I said, they they allow three hundred and sixty-three yards per game. So maybe not, you know. Um we all know things are different in the playoffs, you know. You step it up, it's winner go home, but I think Pitt can get it done against KC on the road or at home. Doesn't matter. They got the experience. Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. So was Andy Reid, but Mike Tomlin, I mean, the guy seems to be in the playoffs almost every year, right? So um, that's my thing on that, man. And uh, I'm going to step aside really quick because I want to talk about some more NFL football. So just keep a lot Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you sticking around with me. Uh, Just, I'm going to step aside real quick, and I'll be right back. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio.
0: 180 over
4: 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk.
3: This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. So that one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get, how do you even, like... Well, hold on, that might be actually difficult to...
2: Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward.
3: explanation.
2: Yeah, it's hard it to It seems like you have to write... It sounds like two <laughs> two
3: 250 words. Explain this sentence. <laughs> that phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs>
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM XM 145
2: Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. And
0: now we're back. The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks for sticking around again throughout that last break, listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. We're going to still keep it on the NFL side of things. And I want to talk about, you already know what I want to talk about. Every week on The Michael McCoy Show, nothing has changed. Again, uh, that Brady-Belichick comparison that uh, I felt was the most intriguing storyline heading into this season. And we've been talking about it every single week right here on the uh, Michael McCoy show, because I felt that between the two Brady had more to prove than Belichick did and Belichick can live without Brady more than Brady can live without Belichick. And so uh, we compare the outcomes of, you know, both teams and, the you know, both individuals every week. So Let's do it again. So Thursday night, I believe the Patriots visited the Rams, and it wasn't even a contest, really. Uh, Patriots fall on the road twenty-four to three, and uh, they fall to six and seven on the year, two and five away from Foxborough, while the Rams up their record to nine and four, and five and one at home. So uh, it was it was it was really pathetic. I'm really glad I benched Cam Newton for this game on my fantasy squad because. He only threw for 119 yards, no touchdowns, did get sacked 4 times, threw an interception. Wasn't pretty, man. Um, Jarrett Stidham made an appearance at one point, uh 5 of 7 for 27 yards. And so, you know, the Patriots didn't even really get anything in the run game going. Uh Cam Newton has been uh I guess you could say a force to be reckoned with on the ground this year. You know, rushing for touchdowns, he didn't even get in the end zone. He only Ran for 16 yards, as long as seven. As a as a team, the Patriots ran for 107 yards. That's just, Um, I mean, look who you're playing. You're playing a really good Rams defense, where Jared Goff um, for the Rams threw for only 137 yards, a touchdown and a pick, but it's because he didn't have to. Uh, Cam Akers had himself a game, 171 yards on 29 carries, Uh, did not get in the end zone, but. that 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 rams defense boy they had six sacks on the night six sacks two of them coming from michael brockers um they were just all over the place they were all over the place aaron donald obviously got in the backfield i mean what's new there a sack and a half he registered he also registered two tackles on the night and uh One and a half tackles for loss. I mean, that guy is just a machine. Have you ever seen him without a shirt? He looks like a Greek god. The last thing he looks like actually is a defensive lineman that starts in the NFL. I'm serious. That's the last thing he looks like. He looks like an unathletic bodybuilder. Just a big guy that probably has a problem wiping his backside in the shower. I'm so serious. He looks stiff, but we all know that he isn't. And I'm just saying, one time I saw him with a shirt on, and I was just like, okay, like that's just it wasn't the body that I expected. He was really, really sculpted, and I mean, the guy just looks—I don't know—he looks incredible <laughs> without a shirt. So uh, the Rams handle business there, right? All right, so let's talk about what the uh, what the what, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. They, <clears throat> excuse me, they handled business at home yesterday hosting the Minnesota Vikings in a game in which they win 26 to 14. One of the, I don't want to say the biggest storylines of the game, but something that stood out like the elephant in the room was Dan Bailey. One of the NFL's, uh, I want to say, not, not I want to say he is one of the best kickers of all time. Okay. One of the most accurate kickers ever. The man missed four kicks, three field goals, and an extra point okay he's the sixth most efficient kicker in the NFL entering the game now he you know down to 11th man that's got to be tough because I mean you rely on a guy like that's nine points well 10 points I'm sorry that's 10 points missed it obviously still wouldn't have won let's say you give uh the Buccaneers those 10 points still wouldn't have won them the game but my god uh you know when you get a kicker slumping that's like one of the worst things you've seen shooters come out of slumps you know you just keep shooting okay you could afford to miss a couple of shots you could afford to have maybe you know a bad game or two kickers they don't have that luxury they just don't have that luxury and um you know it's tough especially if they get in a super slump right they get in that super slump and i mean what do you do oh sorry for that background noise sorry for that background noise what do you do because uh, you only get a couple kicks a game and, you know, every kick is worth it, especially in the NFL. OK, uh, points. Uh, I don't want to say they come at a premium, but still, since it is a high scoring league, you need every point you can possibly get. So let's take a quick look at the box score in that game. Again, it was at uh, it was in Tampa and Tom Brady. Uh, not a bad game. He goes for 15 of where is it? Yeah. 15 of 23 for a buck. 96, two touchdowns. No interceptions, all right? Uh, his counterpart, Kirk Cousins, threw for 225 on 37 attempts, 24 completions, threw a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, pretty pretty complete, I'm sorry, pretty balanced game for the Bucks. You got them going over 100 yards on the ground. Ronald Jones chipped in with 80 and a touchdown. Their leading receiver was Mike Evans. No touchdowns for him, but Scotty Miller, the burner, uh, who's making a, 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 quite the name for himself the past few games, uh, had a long ball for 48 yards. It resulted in a touchdown. So, um, and Rob Gronkowski, he got it the end zone as well. His only catch of the game went I for got a touchdown. The touchdown. I apologize for the background noise. It's just popping up out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, uh, you know what's crazy about Rob, and I've mentioned this previously in the show, is that towards the beginning, excuse me, towards the beginning of the season, he really didn't, he wasn't a threat in the passing game. And, you know, it, I called him, the nfl's biggest uh decoy because he just he, he wasn't putting any numbers up and then all of a sudden a couple weeks ago he just started you know the gronk of old period i don't know if it was a conditioning thing or if they're kind of doing that on purpose or if they're just using him as a blocker and then all of a sudden they just said all right well here's this weapon that uh, you guys might have forgotten about but um he gets in the end zone and the bucks are now at eight and five so Eight and five bucks, four and three on the road versus uh, six and seven for the undermanned. And, you know, if you ask Bill Belichick, they, they still got to win games, but he even came out and said earlier in the year uh, a couple of weeks ago that they just don't have the horses. They just don't have, you know, the guys that they're used to having. And that's exactly why I feel that he is doing a great job, obviously. Uh Oh man, I wish this background noise would just stop popping up. I really, really apologize about that. But yeah, I think I feel that uh, the performance that you're seeing from the Patriots is probably more impressive than Tom Brady's 30 touchdowns and 11 interceptions on the year, even though he's thrown for uh, 3,496 yards. Let's call it 3,500 yards. So um, six and seven in a year where everybody thought that Cam Newton was not going to be a factor and they were right. I mean, everybody was saying, well, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, he has so much to prove. Uh, I was one of those guys I jumped on, I mean, I drafted him for crying out loud in my fantasy league. I was thinking he was gonna have, you know, a, a really good year in that system, you know, something that Belichick has never really had in a quarter from the quarterback position in the past 20 years was the ability to, uh, to use his legs. You know, we all know Tom Brady is not that guy, whereas uh, Cam Newton is the polar opposite. He absolutely is uh phenomenal athlete at the quarterback position. So um, they're still managing to pull six and seven. They may not make the playoffs, but I'll tell you what, man, if, if they if they sniff anywhere around 10 wins, nine, 10 wins, I think that's impressive, especially considering, you know, he had Cam Newton miss a game or two with COVID. Uh, they really don't have the weapons and it's, it's just... I think it's a more impressive job than Tom Brady and what he's doing with all these weapons. And uh, over in, um, in Tampa Bay, we all saw they just picked up, you know, Antonio Brown and they're really only sitting at what is it? Uh, what is it? Eight and five. Yeah. Eight and five. And, you know, they've lost some games where you kind of like saying, oof, like, Ew. You kind of expected them to compete in some of these games. Let's go ahead and look at uh, their schedule, because I wanted to bring that up again. And OK, so to start the year, they lose at the Saints, right? They lose at the Saints. They win three in a row, looking good. All right. They went against the Panthers at the Broncos and then versus the Chargers. So then they lose this game versus the Saints again. All right. No, I'm sorry. No, they lose at the... Uh, at the bears by a point, that was just a weird loss. So, I mean, the bears have, you know, they have a decent defense, but still everybody expected at least I did. Let me not say everybody. Let me not put a blanket statement over this, but um, you know, coming off of three wins in a row, everybody's thinking, all right, they may have found a groove. Well, they lose by a point in, uh, at soldier field. Then they went three in a row again, handling the Packers and then two road games against the Raiders and the giants. So um then they get swept, you know, in the season by the Saints. And then they, you know, they just get handled against teams where the uh, winning teams, you know, playoff contending teams pretty much. Uh, the Rams, they lost. And then they lost against the Chiefs in a really good game. But, um, you know, they're back on the, on, on the winning side of things, winning against the Vikings. They have two road games in a row here the next couple of weeks at Atlanta and then on the road at the Lions. And then they close out the season at home versus the Falcons. So they faced the Falcons twice in the next three weeks. Um, we'll see, man. I mean, remember, at the beginning of the season, everybody just pretty much handed them the NFC, especially considering the fact that Gronk was there and they were hosting the Super Bowl. This can be the very first team to host a Super Bowl. And um, that was it. Everybody was pretty much saying it was between the Niners the Bucs. And I just kind of, mind you, I'm a Niners fan. Nothing scares me more than uh, a Russell Wilson led Seattle Seahawks team. And that was my pick. That was my NFC championship game to start the year. Okay. Everybody was talking Saints. Everybody was talking Bucs, Niners. Nobody was really mentioning the Seahawks. And I, to this day, I still don't understand it. But uh, that was my that was my NFC championship game prediction at the beginning of the season, San Fran and uh, Seattle. We all know how San Francisco season is going, uh, you know, injury riddled, but uh, still fielding a top three defense in the NFL go for a top five. I believe it is. Uh, let's go check that out. Um, team defensive statistics or standings for this yeah the, the Niners are allowing 316 yards on average per game which is good for fifth in the uh in the NFL and they are also yeah that's that's I mean that's pretty much it that's 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 the only category defensively that they're pretty much uh top five in in terms of um yards per game allowed 316. And they're right behind the Redskins whose defense is allowing 313 per game. And by the way, if you're wondering the league leader in terms of yards per game allowed is the Rams. Okay. That's the team that the Pats just lost to. So moving on, um, Tennessee, they go to Jacksonville, they handle business. Tennessee is another team that I think if they played I don't want to say the perfect. Yes, I do. I want to say the perfect. No, no, I don't. I don't have to say the perfect game because that Casey defense doesn't really uh doesn't really move the needle for me. And if Tannehill is, you know, the Tannehill that he's been all year, and mind you, Tannehill's shutting me up because I kind of predicted him to uh to kind of come back down to earth this season, and it hasn't happened. It has not happened. They have I I still credit that to the phenomenal running back that he has behind him in Derrick Henry, no shade to Tannehill. I mean, I don't root against the guy. It's just that I saw so much of him here at Miami and mind you, I have no, no, no horse in the race. I I don't care about the dolphins. Um, it's not like I, 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 I loathe the team or anything like that, but, um, I don't know. I just got to see, I got to see more than one season of good Tannehill than to just say, okay, this guy's turned the corner. Um, in any event, he's been leading. Well, not him, but uh, his efforts throughout this season have contributed to the Titans' nine and four record. They win at Jacksonville yesterday, who falls to one and 12. They win 31 to 10. And it's behind the efforts of Derrick Henry. Again, this guy goes over 200 yards, okay, on 26 carries and two touchdowns. That's his fourth career 200 yard rushing game. He's third on the all time list. All right. In terms of guys with, you know, 200 yard rushing games Uh, he's third on that list behind Tiki Barber who has five and then OJ and Adrian Peterson. Okay. Obviously OJ Simpson and uh, AP Adrian Peterson, they each have six. All right. Uh, Henry is tied with guys like Jim Brown, great Jim Brown, Earl Campbell, uh, Barry Sanders, and LaDainian Tomlinson. So, I mean, a lot of Hall of Famers on that list. Derrick Henry continues, you know, this this pace that he's on plays long enough. I think you could pretty much pencil him in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Hopefully he can add a Super Bowl win to that resume. That won't stop him from getting into the hall, into Canton, but still, it always looks good. And so uh, Barry doesn't have one. And, uh, you know, he retired at 30. So, um, yeah, man, the Titans, uh, nine and four. Another team that I feel that can do it because in terms of teams that could beat the 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 Chiefs, I mentioned it last segment. I think I just think it's gonna take an above average defense, maybe like a top five, top six defense. You know, teams can always get hot, and we all know the Titans defense is 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 capable. So, um, and that offense is just enough. You run the ball enough with Derrick Henry to keep that KC offense off the field. So the best defense for uh, the Titans in a game like that would be their offense you know stay on the field you know work that play action tire out that defense and Tannehill has you know proven over the last season and a half that he's you know he's got the goods he's got the goods to lead a team as long as he has the perfect pieces around him all right but you know that's that's key as long as you have the perfect pieces around you and you know if it takes that much for you to be you know, a, a top quarterback or one of the better quarterbacks in the league, then, I mean, you, I, I just don't feel that, I just don't feel it. <laughs> I don't feel that it's worth mentioning uh, a guy as uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I got, like I said, props to him, okay? He's getting the job done. And um, let, me, let me hop into the box score for that game yesterday uh, between the Titans and the Jags. Again, it took place in Jacksonville. So again, we already talked about Derrick Henry and what he did on the ground, over 200 yards, okay? And um, two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill throws for 212, only incompleted five passes, no interceptions, two touchdowns. That's, I mean, he's managing the game, managing the game, taking his shots when he can, okay? Um, A.J. Brown, seven catches, 112 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he was the leading receiver in the tight, I'm sorry, for the Titans and in the game. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much it. Nothing, nothing to write home about in terms of the performances on the Jacksonville Jaguar side. Again, they scored 10 points, uh, three in the first half and then a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, the Titans scored in every quarter, except that final stanza, uh, they're scoring by quarter went seven, 10, 14 and zero. So, um, I think I want to take a look at the NFL playoff standings or I'm sorry, the, uh, the standings in the NFL. So as is, okay. We'll start in the NFC. I'm sorry, the AFC East. we got Buffalo atop the division at 10 and three, the Miami Dolphins eight and five. Again, Brian Flores, I think to me automatically uh, you don't look anywhere else, coach of the year. Okay. Uh, Patriots six and seven, and the Jets got to be the worst 0-13 team ever. AFC North, you got the Steelers 11 and two. How about those Browns, man? Nine and three, nine and three. Um, What can you say? What can you say? Uh, Some people want to talk about Baker Mayfield and how all of a sudden he's looking good ever since Odell went down. Well, Baker Mayfield came out and said that, you know, they started clicking right around that time, Uh, right around the time that he did go down. And, you know, this, this streak of his has nothing to do with Odell being out of the game. Good answer, guy. Good answer. We all know you have a way with the media. Um, and then you got the Ravens at seven and five. Remember when everybody was talking about the Ravens earlier on in the season? Oof, they're third in that division now. So you got the Titans tied atop the AFC South with the Colts at nine and four. And then the Texans uh, four and nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the bottom of water at that position, sorry, at that division. Uh, the Chiefs 12 and one atop the AFC West, followed by the Raiders seven and six. Broncos five and eight, Chargers four and nine the nfc east goodness gracious lord six and seven washington leads that division followed by the giants at five and eight uh the eagles four eight and one we talked about jalen hurts and his first career win in the last segment and then the cowboys actually are four and nine all right uh nfc north you got the uh the packers are running away with it pretty much ten and three Followed by the Vikings and the Bears at six and seven, with the Lions at five and eight, and then in the NFC South, uh, that division is pretty much clinched by the Saints. They 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 clinched that I believe it was last week, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, they're ten and three atop that division. The Bucks eight and five, followed by the Falcons four and nine, who are eliminated from the playoffs, and then the Panthers four and nine. Uh, and then finally the NFC West. This is the most competitive division in all of football. If the Niners were healthy, boy, we, we we'd have just uh, an incredible, incredible uh, division race, playoff race in the NFC. Um, Rams and the Seahawks tied for first place, nine and four, okay? Uh, the Cardinals, seven and six. That's a team to still keep an eye on. And the Niners are still in the playoff hunt. Uh, they pretty much got to win out and get a lot of help, but they're five and eight. The chances of that happening are slim to none. So, um That's pretty much it. That's all I got. Again, uh, tonight's game is going to be, who was it? It was the Ravens and, uh, let me get that schedule. Who was on that? Who's on tonight's slate at eight o'clock, the eight o'clock kickoff tonight. I know it was the Ravens. Who are the Ravens playing? I just announced it. I'm trying to pick it up right now. Um, here it is. Yes. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Had a, had a brain fart, but, uh, it's gone now. <laughs> uh, the Ravens at the Browns, so we'll see what the Browns can do, man. They're they're home, all right. Again, Baker Mayfield without uh, Odell Beckham, and we'll see if they can add on to that nine and three record. So, I'm gonna step aside, and uh, we're gonna close out the show with some NBA talk. And um, I I did some research. I did some research that I want to share with you guys. And then I'm going to vent a little bit about how much the game has changed because I, 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 just stay tuned. There's a little teaser for you. Thanks for listening to The Michael McCord Show. And uh, just keep it locked here on SiriusXM Channel 145, Slam Radio.
3: Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad <laughs> joke. Corny, grown worthy but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for of school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad (laughs) jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. I mean really it really apologist. comes down to I'm gonna it, make an apologist image for you, bro, because everything that I say you say, like, oh, but LeBron had to do this and he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron's the king and again, LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? He probably good, but why probably, would he do but it? But why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a SLAM Dunk Contest?
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM 6 m 145 SLAM Radio. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.
3: Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: Because the last thing I want to see is another, you know, NBA finals where it's just lopsided due to injury. All right. I, I just that's not cool. But, um, you know, going back to the Nets, uh, everybody knows that, at least in my opinion, I feel that the biggest question on that team is probably the coaching staff. All right. We all know how much of a surprise it was that they decided to pull the trigger and name Steve Nash head coach. I wasn't bothered by it. Okay, I thought that there would have been some obviously some other guys that they looked at before naming him a head coach, maybe some more qualified guys. But this is definitely a basketball mind. Okay, we all saw how he was an extension of the coach on the floor in his days uh, in the NBA, namely with the uh, Phoenix Suns. Remember, he was a part of the Dallas Mavericks as well. Um, and with the Phoenix Suns, he was coached by Mac D'Ant- Mike D'Antoni, who, which, by the way, is one of the assistant coaches on the staff. So, you know, he, he needs to anytime that it's a first year coach, especially in this situation when it's a first year coach with no NBA coaching experience. You got to surround yourself around guys that know what they're doing. OK, and. Um, obviously, Mike D'Antoni, you know, falls under that category. Jacques Vaughn is another guy that's on the staff uh, Emi Yudoka is on the staff as well. Um, so we'll see, man, we'll see, you know, when you think about Mike D'Antoni, obviously you think about the kind of offense that he, uh, liked to run as a coach recently for the Rockets. We all saw how many threes they took (laughs) and, uh, with the Suns, which was just, you know, a fast paced, you know, get the ball off the court quick. And it was, you know, Sean Marion, the matrix, Amari Stoudemire, and Steve Nash, okay? So um, to me, that's the biggest question about this team, all right? The talent on the floor is easily an Eastern Conference or NBA Finals contender, okay? They could definitely get back. uh, I'm sorry, they could definitely get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm penciling them in as a team to make, at the very least, the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think it would be very surprising if they didn't. Why can you, first of all, KD, Kyrie, obviously, is probably the best scoring duo in the Eastern Conference. All right, I'm just going to, that's that's my opinion. But that pick and roll, how are you going to defend that? How are you going to defend the pick and roll between KD and Kyrie? Because you know it's coming, okay? You know it's coming. It's probably going to be coming at you 50 times a game. Who knows? But it's going to be deadly, okay? You already know not to go underneath the pick and roll, all right? Because Kyrie, I mean, what did he win? What two, two three-point shooting contests? I know he won at least one of them. But the guy, when he gets hot, he's deadly. We all saw what he uh, is capable of doing. The year that the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Finals against the seventy-three win, reg- seventy-three regular season winning uh, Golden State Warriors team, okay, um, was lethal in that series. You know, he and LeBron, you know, took the cake. And so. Uh, Obviously KD, both of these guys are shooters. Both of these guys can get to the bucket. Both of these guys can handle the ball. One is one of the best jump shooters we've ever seen at seven feet tall. Okay. And like I said, both of them have the ability to get to the basket. Scoring one on one. uh, They're elite. Elite. They're not good. They're not great. They're not above average. They're elite. Okay. They're one of the best in the business. So you don't really have to surround these two with that much talent. You just really have to surround them with the right talent. And right now uh, that roster is looking pretty good. I mean, um, Jared Allen, I think a key piece, they added Bruce Brown, who I think is going to be great for them. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is a scorer. Okay. Tyler Johnson is a guy that's, you know, going to get in the mix and, you know, uh, at least always all, all the time defensively. Joe Harris, i got a sharpshooter. Jeff Green experienced, you know, vet season vet. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan was an offseason pickup. Karis Levert is an all around player. He can do it all. Uh, I mean, you name it. These guys, they and who knows if they're even done. OK, Torian Prince, you know, they're they're they got it. They got it. This is easily uh, one of the better rosters in the Eastern Conference. And so we'll we'll see. We'll see how the rotation works out. We'll see what kind of offense they they, uh, employ. And I say we'll see what kind of offense they employ because I know it's literally a one-game sample. I get it. It's way too early to tell. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. But uh, with only a one-game sample to play, um, I'm sorry, that they've shown us uh, um, here I am saying only these guys only shot three 33 pointers yesterday. And you know, in today's game, that's not, you know, a huge, huge number in terms of the amount of three pointers uh shot in a game. Okay, I'm pulling up the box score right now. So I can not sound like um, talking about a book that I never read. Here we go. Sunday the 13th and the Nets. All right. So they um, they beat the Wizards one nineteen to one fourteen. Okay, and it was obviously the first preseason game for the for the Nets and and the Wizards as well. So as a team, they shot for thirty three pointers, and we all know, obviously, Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, they're going to want to run, they're going to want to you know score quickly, whatever the case is, right? Okay, well, thirty three pointers. KD uh, went 0 two from behind the line. Uh, I'm sorry, behind the arc, Kyrie went two of three. Uh, Kevin Durant only played in 24 minutes. Kyrie played in 17 and um, 15 points for KD and uh, Kyrie hit 18. KD obviously said that he was very nervous. <laughs> and I mean, I was nervous for him. I'm just watching the highlights. You know, you just, you, 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 he, he already looks fragile, but just every step he took, I was just thinking, oh, just, just, just watch yourself, KD, just watch yourself. But, um, so back to my point about the three point, you know, the three point line, they only took thirty. Washington as a team actually took I'll tell you right now, uh, they took 37, they hit on 14 of them, and uh, the Nets hit on 14 of their 30. So obviously a little higher percentage for the Nets, but I have some, some research here that I want to share with you guys, With five minutes ago in the segment, and I actually had to do this for one of my finals, (laughs) one of my finals, a, a data journalism class. And, uh, let's just say, I'm glad that that class is over with because it was very challenging. And so, um, I did a little digging. Okay. Because there is, um, talking about the three point line, you know, Is it really a case of the more the merrier, the more three-pointers you take, uh, the better chance you have of winning? Um, Not really, and I have the stats to prove it. So I'm talking about this again because I'm really interested in seeing if these guys are going to just come down the court and, you know, try to play, you know, Houston Rockets-style basketball or Golden State Warriors-style basketball. I hope not. I I think it would be a shame if they did, okay, because you got guys – that can score in the paint. Okay. Kyrie scores in the paint all the time. He can get to the cup whenever he wants to same thing with KD. He may not have uh, a huge amount of points in the paint, but uh, he can definitely get down there. His mid range, you know, I think he's more lethal inside than he is outside because, you know, he's, he's, he can shoot and he's already that much taller than you. So when he elevates, it's, it's, it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard for him, especially he could shake you with his handle. So um in this, in this research that I did for this class, all right, uh, I talk about how shooting three-pointers in the NBA doesn't always equate to uh, the wins or the results that people think they do. Number one, even if you're, even even if you're left alone uncontested, it's the hardest shot to make in the NBA. Why? Because you're 22 feet away in the corners from the bucket and uh, 23 feet away elsewhere if you're not in the corners, right? So that's, Obviously, the hardest shot to, to make in basketball, even if left unguarded. Steph Curry, who holds the NBA record for most three-pointers in a season, made 402 three-pointers during the 2015-2016 season. And he shot it at a 45.4% clip, all right? That's actually a very good percentage, right? But it wasn't good enough to win the NBA championship that season, all right? Uh, if you guys remember, the Warriors, the Dubs, uh, were seeking back-to-back championships when they, when they fell to the Cavs. Uh, that season. The Cavs, by the way, shot the three ball that year at 36.2% as a team in the 2015-2016 season, the same season that they won the NBA championship, okay? Uh, This is where it gets interesting, all right? In the Western Conference Finals, you guys remember that OKC was up three to one? You remember that? And then the Warriors just come storming back and they win the series? All right, well, in the Western Conference Finals, when the Oklahoma City Thunder who were also one of the high-scoring teams in the NBA that year, scoring 110 points per game, all right? That ranked second in the league behind only the Warriors, all right? Warriors were shooting all of these threes, and they were scoring 114 points a game, all right? OKC was scoring 110 points per game. They were not shooting that many three-pointers, guys, and this is a team that was up, again, in... The Western Conference Finals, three games to one against a 73-win regular season team. Guys, this is kind of crazy. So um, the Thunder made 678 three-pointers as a team, okay, in 2015-2016. You want to know how many Steph Curry and Klay Thompson made that year? The exact amount of three-pointers, 678 between the two of them, whereas OKC as a team made 670 and they got as far as the Western Conference Finals. They were one win away from playing the Cavs in the finals. All right. They lost, obviously, but that's one piece of proof that goes to show that, you know, it's not all about the three ball. It is not all of, just because one team is successful at doing it. And that one team, I think everybody knows who I'm talking about, is the Warriors. We all know that jump shooting teams don't win NBA championships. They are the anomaly. OK, one of the few. You could argue the Dallas Mavericks, when they beat the Heat several years ago in the finals, they were a jump shooting team. But how often do we see that happen? Even in today's NBA, like right now, 2020, the Lakers, they, they were not a jump shooting team not in my eyes, not with AD. Yeah. AD gets his threes, but LeBron isn't shooting a ton of threes. Okay. AD isn't shooting a ton of threes. No, no. Uh, yes, they're going to get their threes up. But when you think of the identity of that team, it's not, oh my God, we can't leave anybody open from outside. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You're fooling yourself if you think that's the case. Um, I have another stat for you because I'm running out of time here. So um, everybody knows about Mike D'Antoni's time with the Rockets. Get this. The teams that have averaged the most three-pointers made per game throughout an NBA season have been the Houston Rockets. Okay, They boast the top three averages of all time with 16.13 three-pointers made in the 2018-2019 season. 15.64 15.64 three-pointers made in the season that just ended, the 2019-2020 season, and 15.32 three-pointers made in the 2017-27, I'm sorry, 2018 season. Neither of those teams won an NBA title, if you guys <laughs> can't remember, all right? As the old adage says, less is more. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with... uh with blessings upon blessings upon blessings uh, throughout the rest of the holiday season. I hope you guys take care of yourselves. Uh, Please wear a mask so we can get back to living how we want to. My graduation was canceled because of COVID. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of other things that we're missing, man. Not every family is able to get together uh, throughout this time, obviously, because of, you know, health situations and people worrying for their significant others. And, you know, Uh, people having underlying injuries. So I'm sorry, uh, underlying conditions. So do what you can. It's not all about you. It's about everybody else, really. Okay. So just stay safe. Everybody have a happy holiday season and you'll catch me in 2021. All right. Thanks for listening to the Michael McCoy show here on Sirius XM channel, 145 slime radio.
0: The views and opinions expressed on the Michael McCoy show are entirely those of the host guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.